2: Going oh. everybody, and welcome back to the NHL Stochastic Strategy Show sponsored by Bet365. Feels good to say that. Uh, it feels like our last show was last week, but also feels like it was three years ago. Um it's good to be back. A lot of stuff happened in the offseason. Cliffy, how was your offseason? Good. good,
1: good off season. Um it does. It always feels short. Uh, I think COVID might've kind of just messed with our schedules a little bit. Cause you know, you go four or five months at a time without hockey. That's certainly not the case now. Um, basically it's three months turnaround between free agency and, and the start of the season. So uh, it's good off season. Um, didn't really, you know, I got to, some friends came, came in from out of town got to spend time with them and at a wedding and a bachelor party and those types of things. So um, pretty good off season, but man, I'm just ready to get back into the NHL. Like, I don't know, just from my opinion, like the NHL product has just gotten so much better over the last five years where even some of the bad games are still entertaining to watch. You know what I mean? Like maybe not San Jose sharks, but you know, the Arizona coyotes are fun to watch. The Seattle made the playoffs last year. Um, you know, Florida made that deep cup run. Nashville has, a, has you know, turning the keys over to the younger kids. We'll talk about that team later on the slate. So there's just a lot of interesting things going around most of the teams. Um, even some of the middle of the road teams. Like, you know, we just saw Winnipeg yesterday. Um, it looked like all offseason they were going to trade Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley. And all of a sudden they're signing twins, seven-year, $8.5 million per season deals. So... Um, it, it, I know there's not a lot of significant player movement. Like you don't get blockbuster trades like you do in the NBA. Um, but there's still a lot of interesting storylines all across the NHL. And it it certainly didn't feel that way six or seven years ago. And I'm I'm pretty thankful for that. And then I think that's part of why I'm so excited for the NHL season to start.
2: Yeah. I mean, I like the NHL product. It's, it, I don't have a problem watching bad teams. As you know, we like stay up late and just get, watch the Canucks and just be in pain. but. You know what? You know what is bad. Thursday night football. That the product they put out on the field is just absolute shit. But starting off the show right here, we got a ten dollars super chat from our pal Saul Goodman. Says, "Shout out litigious Steve Buzzard." <laughs> Steve, why are you litigious?
1: That's a good word, by the way.
2: The doesn't know what that means, but we'll explain it to him after the show. <laughs>
1: Haas, Haas taken strays five minutes into the
2: season. <laughs> oh, god. Well, listen. I, I, let me take let me take a minute to talk about our pal Haas. Middle of July, I'm getting I'm getting added in the hockey channel from Haas about like the grand slam at Denny's at three in the morning. It's like Haas, come on. Let me give you my cell. You need help. You can just talk to me. Let's talk. We also have a fifteen dollars super chat from Doug Weissman. Nothing attached to it. Thank you for the super chat. Um, I see there is a lot of you guys in here, lots of familiar faces, lots of new ones. Welcome. Um, before we start talking about some of the off season stuff, some of the favorite bets we have this season, or even some of the DFS slate, make sure to give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers giveaways and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our show goes live. If YouTube isn't for you which is kind of weird because I'm talking to you on YouTube. You can find all of our content over on the Stochastic Podcast channel. Leave us a five-star review there. Also, since tonight is opening night, we don't expect any of you to go premium, but we have a deal for you guys. If you look at the links in the description, uh, just for you guys, there is 10% off the weekly and the monthly packages in the description. You have to go through the link. In the description, that will get you 10% off uh, either of our premium uh, offerings. That gets you the top stacks, the projections. There's going to be a lineup page soon, and it gets you into the Discord where there is a whole bunch of shenanigans and a lot of sharp minds. So click that link in the description if you're thinking about going premium. This is for the listeners only. Just click on that. You'll see it says 10% off. Uh, weekly or monthly. And we have another super chat here from Chris Orstel, $20. Thank you very much. It says, thanks, guys. Welcome back. Side note, FanDuel needs to step up the game with the contest. Single entries are horrible. That is an evergreen tweet or evergreen chat. Uh, they don't really, since they since they sold to that, I believe it's a European sports book, they definitely focus more on the sports book aspect of it. They'll occasionally run those uh, big, con- bigger contests like once a month. But generally, it's tough to play on FanDuel if you're a single-entry player. I know we also have Owner's Box. Um, they will be also offering DFS contests. I'm not sure what they look like, but their NFL stuff has been pretty good. There's lots of people in chat here, but... Let's talk a little bit about some off-season stuff, maybe a little bit about DFS strategy, some of your favorite bets in the season. Maybe we should just give a little refresher on your strategies. Some, some short – see, first day, we're already tripping over ourselves, some short slate strategy. Um, but first, another super chat. You guys are the best from – grade a flick sixty nine sixty nine a true legend uh <laughs> the best d f s duo is back and in full effect missed you guys and glad y'all are back let's have another fun d f s hockey season josh hope little man is doing well cliffy the gray looking good on you brother yeah uh we're both in our late thirties now we're the same age the little man is doing good i have two little mans now uh i had a i have a two and a half month old son uh came during the off season good planning on my part (laughs) didn't do any planning um another thing just real quick i upgraded my internet because finally there's upgrades available in my area no longer will it be one cloud my internet will no longer be orange red so we are hopefully good with the internet here but thank you very much great aflix uh we truly appreciate you talk to you a little bit over the off season uh thank you for the super chat
1: yeah, I just want to say thanks for the Super Chats. It's, it's definitely a great way to start the season, um, to see the love from uh, people in the chat, people on Twitter, people in Discord. Um, you know, We enjoy doing this. That's why we, we come back here season after season. You and I come back and do this year after year. We really enjoy being here, and a lot of it is 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 the community. It's just fun to talk hockey with a lot of different people that we normally don't get to talk hockey with. So uh, thanks for the Super Chats. We really do appreciate it um let's talk some hockey
2: yeah let's do the hockey so one thing we talked about we have we did a few off-season podcasts last year about some strategy which we can uh link onto twitter where we talked about how we build and stuff and but tonight's a short slate it's three games something you talk about from time to time is sometimes if the line is an elite, you'll leave a player off because how often does a full line go off? So honestly, like tonight, maybe you're looking to leave someone off a non elite line and plug in a cheaper guy who has a high shot floor per se. And so I'm expecting the way I'm building. I don't know how fully correlated I'm going to be tonight, but, um, are you looking at some high four one offs?
1: Yeah, I'm just off the top. Um, you and I did a how to play D- NHL DFS video before the season last year. I'm gonna drop it in the YouTube chat. Um, if anybody wants to go check it out, it's like it's only like 25 or 30 minutes or something, and it talks a lot about stacking and strategy and things like that. Um yeah, when I look for one-offs, they're almost always the the high shot volume guys, right? But it's not necessarily guys that play a ton of minutes either, because to me, if you're gonna one off somebody, like let's say, you know, tonight you decide to leave like Jake Gensel off the Pittsburgh stack, you know, for whatever reason, uh, and then you go you go in and you add Philip Forsberg, like it feels like you're just kind of switching out one similar player for another. You know what I mean? At that and at that point, I'd rather just keep the stack, but. You know, you and I do a lot of like three, three stacking, like three, three players from the same line from one team and three from another, um, you know, three, two, one, which is like three and three players and then two line mates and then one, one off or something like that. One thing I, I, I don't what, two two, two reasons. Well, one big reason we do that is because it gives you a better chance of getting the highest scoring player on the slate in that stack. Right. So um, if you stack, you know, the Tampa Bay top line tonight, point Kucherov and Stamkos, and Kucherov has three goals and two assists. Um, you know, if you, some for whatever reason, left him off, then you're totally boned. You're not going to win anything. Um, the reason you stack the full line is if one of those guys goes off, you're going to have them in the stack, where, you know, if you only do a two-man stack, you do run the risk of leaving the highest scoring player off the stack, and that does happen. But I also want to, I don't want people to get too married to just one Way of stacking or one way of playing, right? Especially with the bonuses on DraftKings, where players, you know, a third liner can have five shots and an assist or something like that and end up, you know, one of the optimal players from the team, even though they shouldn't be in any proper stack, right? So, you know, two, two, two stacks or like a three or like three, two, one, like we talked about, or like two, two and a couple one offs, especially on these shorter slates where, as you mentioned, you know, full lines don't typically correlate a ton on goals. Um, There are two other players on the ice, usually, when those goals are scored, uh, and they do figure in quite a bit. Sometimes there's only one assist. Sometimes it's an unassisted goal, things like that. So while we do do a lot of 3-3 stacking or 4-3 stacking or whatever, I don't want people to get too married to just one specific way of stacking, especially on a short slate where you might not have one line go completely nuclear, right? Like, yes, Tampa or Pittsburgh or whomever might have a huge night tonight. Um, but you might just have three or four mediocre nights. And if you have three or four mediocre nights, you're going to have some pretty bad players in those line combinations that you may not want there. So, you know, 2-2-2 two, two, two stacking or, you know, the 3-2-1 we were talking about. So I I don't want people to get too married to the idea of stacking, but it is a good idea to still do it to some degree, Um, You know, you don't have to correlate every single player in your lineup, but um, the big reason to do it is just to make sure that you do get in that high scoring player on the slate. So on a short slate like this, I'm less married to the idea of you have to play a 3-3 stack and and that's the only way to do it. Um, I do recommend it, you know, for people that might just be getting started in in NHL DFS before, you know, you get kind of acclimated to, you know, how many minutes players are going to play. True values are compared to their DraftKings or FanDuel prices and things like that. Um, but that'd be my big thing, you know. In addition to the video that we dropped in chat, is just don't get too tied down to one specific stacking method or you know one specific stacking approach, especially when where you only have like six teams playing tonight. And you, there are only so many options, and you may not get um, a big performance otherwise. One final thing I'll say is I was doing research in the offseason for season-long fantasy hockey, and we talked about the the bonuses on DraftKings. The shot, block, and save bonuses are all very important on DraftKings. They're not something overlooked. Guys that block more shots will have more block bonuses. Guys that shoot more will have more shot bonuses, um, et cetera, et cetera. The big note that I noticed um, in the offseason was there's a huge jump in shot blocking last year in the NHL. It was something like a 9% rise in shot blocks in one season, which is you just don't see that in peripherals, like for your shots or your hits or, or whatever. Like, you know, it might be plus 1.7% and then minus 0.8% and then, you know, things like that. Nearly a 9% jump is massive. And I'm wondering if that's not going to make more defensemen viable and also bring up the value of some forwards because a lot, a lot of it was forwards blocking more shots like – I think Elias Petterson had like 90 shot blocks last year, right? Like and those things those little things matter in DFS it's because anybody will tell you there are a lot of second and third place finishes where one extra shot on goal or one extra block or something like that would have pushed you into first place. And just knowing that, you know, shot blocking for specific players is be- is going to become even more important, um it's something to keep in mind if you're playing on DraftKings.
2: Yeah, and those arbitrary bonuses you bring up a really good point. Uh, when it comes to correlation, right? So you have the three, three stack and in the old scoring, it was almost automatic. You'd bring a fourth guy a defenseman from one of your stacks. But I kind of got away from that a bunch last year. I'm not correlating my D-men as much. Like, obviously if you can get up to the power play quarterback with your stack, you can, but like, if you're playing a second line, you don't have to put in a second pair of defensemen from that team. I'm looking for uh cheaper, shot blocking guys who can get me that arbitrary bonus you know what i mean three shot blocks and the bonus is 6.9 DraftKings points and if you're getting someone like 2800 like someone will, someone i'm sure we'll talk about at the end of the show uh darren radish from the tampa bay lightning he's under 3k tonight is it is it darren or is it the other Radish?
1: no it, it's darren taylor's yeah. on chicago
2: yeah yeah look at me remembering things hey, you're on the ball yeah. buddy Look at that! Um, but yeah, I, I've I've kind of gone away from just forcing correlation with my stack on the def- on the D line just because of these arbitrary bonuses. So you know, I, f- I think you know the the biggest thing is I don't look to force correlation, but if it happens to come, I don't resist it. I think that is some of the better DFS advice I got when I was a young pup. Now I'm just an old dog and I'm still trying to learn some new tricks. But let's move on here before we move on to the slate. We have three more Super Chats. You guys are the best. $20 from KJ. Can't wait to ship it with John Goudreau this year. <laughs> Big Turk getting dragged. He's not even here to defend himself. We love to see it. Uh, M. Hart, our boy. Instead of you know getting a membership for $19.99, he's uh, you know, dropping ridiculous uh super chats 1999 from Haas. Thank you very much tonight. Do you anticipate that Pit One is going to stop, drop, shut down, open up shop against Chicago? Uh, I'm in that demographic, I know who DMX is. Thank you very much. Um, some of you younger fellows may not, but I am not sure. Like, I like Pit One tonight, we'll get to that game. Obviously, uh, I kind of like. Pittsburgh too, a little bit better, but we'll get there when we get there. And then we have a $4 and 20 cent super chat from Nate B. We back baby. Uh, Yes, we are. Here we are. And uh, that kind of goes well with Bobby boom saying I've been hitting the hit and intermittent fasting diet. I've been hitting the Bobby boom diet, cocaine and hookers. That's how I lost all that weight. No, but that's how Bobby boom stays very fit in his Tesla.
1: I, I just want to jump in on, on Haas's, uh super chat here real quick. He's talking about Pittsburgh, um, you know, basically laying the wood to Chicago here tonight. We'll get to that game. I'd like to remind everyone that Chicago went into Pittsburgh at the very end of the last regular season with a team that was barely AHL quality. Like, this was after they traded anybody that was any good. And they beat Pittsburgh 5-2 in Pittsburgh to knock the Penguins out of the playoffs. And that, the last point – that's just the last point I want to make before uh, we jump into the slate is um, don't get too married to the idea that a, a favorite team is just going to land base the other one. The NHL season is a long, long season. There are going to be over 1,300 regular season games played this year. You're going to see some weird stuff. Like, you're going to see San Jose go into – like. I don't know, like Tampa Bay or Toronto or Colorado and win a game. You're going to see the Chicago Blackhawks at some point this year, go on the road and beat a team like seven to one. There's going to be a lot of weird things. And just because, you know, like uh, one of our buddies from Twitter says, just because it's supposed to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. I'm paraphrasing him here. Um, The NHL hockey is a very random sport over the long haul. Um, you know, obviously the favorite teams will win more, the better teams will win out, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're looking at just one night of games with a handful of teams, very weird things can happen. And I think that's where our top stacks tool that we'll talk about later can really help out some people.
2: For sure, for sure. Uh, Buddha is the man. Uh, I forgot who said it. It was someone in our team goalie t- tilt chat. Wookie, he said, always in DFS play the minus 300 favorites but always bet against them <laughs>
1: there you go that's yeah. a, I like the, I like that hedging maneuver
2: yeah so let's let's get into this slate shall we uh, yeah first game of the night first game of the season at 5:30 p.m. Eastern because there was a concert scheduled in that arena that got canceled and I was like you know what we'll just leave it Nashville Predators with a 2.9 total heading into Tampa Bay. The lightning have a 3.5 total big news here for the lightning. Andre Vasilevsky had back surgery. He will be out for a while. Had a microdisectomy. I've had one of those. He's not going to be back until around December. Um, for back surgeries go in terms of back surgery. That is the least invasive back surgery you can get, but he's still going to be out a while. That leaves Jonas Johansson as the Tampa Bay Lightning's number one goalie. That seems like it's going to be an issue. Um, there were concerns with Vasilevsky high blocker side the past few seasons, but Jonas Johansson is a massive step down. And if you follow the Buffalo Beat Riders at all, he apparently is the worst goalie in the history of the NHL. That being said, new coach in Nashville, Andrew Brunette, I don't really know the direction that this franchise is going in. They kind of sold. But then they also signed Ryan O'Reilly to a four-year contract. Their lines are a mess. There is one line in Nashville that I kind of like, will they get Will they get played enough to play them tonight? What are your thoughts on this game?
1: Uh, yeah, like this is one of those games, obviously, where we think Tampa Bay should win. I think Nashville might be might one of those teams that's connected. That is...
2: What? Oh, no, you're still here with us. Oh, no, no, sorry. Oh, okay. no, right.
1: I, I think Nashville is one of those teams that, you know, I really do like that. We'll talk about that Novak line here in a second. I really do like that line. You know, Ryan O'Reilly, I don't think he's the player that he was three or four years ago anymore, but he's a pretty good playmaker still at this stage of his career. Um, and that's exactly something that Philip Forsberg needs. If you look at our top stacks tool, I'm just going to bring it up uh, very quickly here. I'm going to make sure I bring up the uh, right. T- sorry, I got to make sure I bring up the right one. Never mind, I forgot to share my screen. Um, the top stacks. It's it still it still feels like preseason to me. The top stacks tool has oh has Tampa one um, as the most leveraged uh, under leveraged over leveraged under leveraged uh, line of the night. Kutra Point, and Stamkos, and it's funny. I went and looked back at how Tampa started the season last year, and they started this. They started the season the same way: Kutra, Point, Stamkos. And I think they won their first game of the season It was against the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. It was. Yeah. And then they went back. They went to Brandon Hagel on the top line, and based, Hagel basically played the rest of the entire season there. So um, we've also seen it in preseason and towards the end of last year on the blue. Line um, Victor Hedman and Mikhail Sergachev are basically switching on and off on the top power play unit last year. Um, Sergachev ended up playing more minutes during the playoffs. You know, Hedman was Hedman was probably injured. Um, that's why preseason has been the same thing. Hedman and, and Sergachev have been switching uh, their power play roles quite a bit through all through the preseason. So, and, and if you look at the bottom six, like the bottom six has been basically jumbled around all preseason long too. Like it, it, it just feels like a team that's still trying to find the right combinations. And it makes me a little bit concerned that about Tampa one staying together all 60 minutes, especially, you know, Johansson lets in a couple softies, you know, in the first 10 minutes of the first period or something like that, even just one of them, uh, you might see the blender come out for Tampa. So it kind of worries me that um, Tampa might, you know, shift around their lines a little bit. But, you know, when that top line's together, it you know, whether it was last year or prior season, Point Kucherov, Stamkos, just absolutely um, deadly. Uh, 3.6 expected goals, four per 60 minutes at five on five last year. 3.8 actual goals scored. Those are just, you know, really, really good numbers. Um, I was also looking at the game Stamkos played on the top line last year. He tends to play more minutes when he starts on the top line versus when he starts on the second line with Anthony Sorelli. It's not always for sure. Like He does have some Sorelli games where he's playing 21, 22 minutes, especially earlier in the season. So I think even if Stamkos gets moved off that line, he can probably still be pretty certain he's going to play a lot of minutes here tonight. Of course, if they get up by a lot of goals, maybe he won't. But then at that point, they're up by a lot of goals. So hopefully he figures in on them. So yeah, I, re- I really do like Tampa 1 here tonight. The way that they use their lines, though, um, they're not a line that typically goes out against the other team's top comp. So he's not going to go out against Ron O'Reilly. Like Ron O'Reilly has taken a step back defensively from his heyday of like 2019, 2020 or whatever. Um, but he's still good defensively. And Like Philip Forsberg's not terrible defensively. Like, you know, Nashville's top line should be decent in their own end. Um, I just think once you get into the second and third lines from the Predators, like once you get to that, you know, Cody Glass, Kiefer Sherwood, or or like even, you know, I like the Novak, Evangelista line, but, you know, I don't expect them to be very good defensively. Uh, You know, Roman Yossi, Tyson Berry look to be a defense pair. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I just think, you know, it's going to lead to some miscues in their own end as well. Um, So I think it's a pretty good matchup for Tampa 1. On top of that is Nashville took a lot of penalties last year. They're, they took the seventh most penalties per game um, of any team in the league. Now, it would only work out to 0.2. I think it was 0.2 above the league average. Um, Which, you know, over the course of the season might be 18, an extra 18, 20 penalties, but, you know, that's still a lot. It's five, six power play goals. It could work out to be a lot over the course of the season, especially when we're talking DFS. So, yeah, I really do like Tampa 1. They're prohibitively expensive. And that's the one thing that worries me is that if you play Tampa 1, you're kind of almost shoehorned into other specific line combos if you're stacking, right? Like at that point, then you're looking at the second and third lines from Seattle. Then you're looking at, you know, second and third lines from Chicago. Like it feels like there might be a chance of duplication. So that's the one thing that kind of worries me with Tampa. Um, But, you know, there are a lot of ways you can get different with them. Nick Paul, for whatever reason, looks like he's gonna. But like it looks like he's supposed to start on the top power play unit. But that's another guy where. I I can't imagine them leaving him there for any real length of time. Like he's not a top power play guy. Like people might've said that about Brandon Hagel. But Brandon Hagel had some decent playmaking metrics, even on a really bad Chicago team a couple of years ago. And I think that's why he's meshed well uh, with Tampa. So um, I do like Tampa one. I think I would just find a way to get a little bit different with them. Add in Sergachev or Hedman on the blue line, add in Nick Paul. Um, do something like that because I think on a short slate where there are only so many secondary stacks that you can use, you do run the risk, uh, in, especially in those, you know, 5,000, 7,000 man entry tournaments on that DraftKings has, um, you do run the risk of, of, of duplicating. So I do like Tampa one, Tampa two, like I'm not super high on like Tyler Mott, like, (sighs) This guy wasn't good enough to last on the Ottawa Senators, and that's a non-playoff team. You know what I mean? Like
2: the Rangers have traded for Tyler Mott like four <laughs> straight years and put him on the fourth line.
1: Right? Like uh, he's another guy. Like, I don't like. Is he gonna last past the first period on that line? Right? And then is Brandon Hagel gonna jump up to the top power play unit? Now all your correlations are thrown out of whack. So I'm not super high on Tampa too. Tampa three is where things kind of get interesting for me because ostensibly Nick Paul is going to be on the top power play unit. Michael Essamont is a guy that really kind of opened my eyes last year. His problem is that he's not a good finisher. Like he had low shooting percentages in the AHL, low shooting percentages in the NHL. He needs a playmaker beside him and Connor Sheary and Nick Paul just aren't those guys. So I, while I do like that line kind of in the real life, I don't know if I really like it in DFS. I'd almost say the Tampa fourth line is more interesting to me than the Tampa third line. Like if it wasn't for Nick Paul getting top power play slotting, I'd say avoid Tampa three completely and go to Tampa four. I know recommending a fourth line is kind of shaky. It is only a, um, a three-game slate, though. I just – I feels kind of chalky to say, but I think I just like Tampa one more than anything – on the Nashville side, it is that Novak, um, Evangelista, Tomcino line that I really like a lot. Um, they're technically Tampa a Nashville three, but to me, they look like they're going to be their second line. Um, you know, they their, their number, their, you know, shot share, expected goal share numbers, et cetera, last year weren't great but a lot of that was with Kiefer Sherwood on the line and Kiefer Sherwood's just like a journeyman NHLer at this point like he might be fine defensively but that's basically about it um they were great in a small sample size without him i've written a lot about Tommy Novak in the off season like his score his playmaking numbers were elite last like not super elite like a mitch marner elite there's our first mitch marner uh, sighting of the season but basically right in the next tier down and he had a lot of assists in the ahl over the last three years as well it was like 58 over per 82 games or something like that he's a really really good playmaker evangelista i think makes a nice dual threat guy those two guys are both on the top power play unit tampa struggled um, with their PK at times last year, might have just been Hedman being injured. Um, but they did struggle on the PK at times. Uh, Yossi's back, which obviously should help that Nashville power play that looks so bad, um, especially down the stretch last year. So you get those two guys on the top power play. Tomasino's fine to add in with them. Um, you know, it looks like they're not getting a ton of ownership. We have them between 2 and 3% over on DraftKings. And that's because you can't fit them with Tampa 1, not really. Like, they're almost 14K. They're getting a little expensive. But two guys on the top power play unit. Um, Nashville spreads out the ice time. So there are going to be a lot of games where Tommy Novak plays like 16 minutes and Ryan O'Reilly plays like 18. You know what I mean? Like, there may not be a ton separating them. So I think I like Nashville 3. Factoring in cost and everything, the best out of any line in this game. But, you know, I really do like Tampa 1 and the way that they're stacking up against... Against Nashville. It's just the concern is UC Saros in net. Like, there's a lot of games where Nashville, with almost any other goalie in the league, would have gotten blown out of the water last year, and UC Saros just saved them. So, if he plays like that again, doesn't really matter who you stack from Tampa, you're going to have a bad night. But um, yeah, I really like that Nashville Evangelista line.
2: Yeah. So, there's a couple things with Tampa here. One, Nashville, like you said, ha- takes a lot of penalties. Two, your penalty kill struggled last year. And then they traded their best PK defenseman, T.S. Ekholm, out of there. Now, will Ryan O'Reilly help on the penalty kill? Probably, but he's not the defensive player he was a few years ago. So, again, it's the question, do you want to stack against UC Soros? And on a three-game slate, I think if you're making multiple lineups, I think you can play UC Soros and you can have Tampa Bay stacks here. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. I do really like Tampa 1.0. They're very expensive. They're over 23k on DraftKings, which is the issue you run into a build issue there. And it's always I always feel bad leaving someone off an elite line like that, a fully correlated elite line, because if you leave Stamkos off, he's going to have a hat trick. If you leave Kucherov off, he's going to go off. Braden Point had 50 plus goals last year, so like if you're going to play Tampa one, I think you you play Tampa one fully, or you add in Nick Paul and hope to get a little bit lucky. On the Nashville side, I agree. I do like that third line. Now, we're talking about not leaving players off, but I think Nashville top line, Ryan O'Reilly, Philip Forsberg, you can leave so Parsons off and try to go find your your high shooting floor guy, one off there. Now, Ryan O'Reilly, his defensive metrics have taken a step down, but his offensive numbers were really good last year. Even with the Blues, that the problem was <laughs> on the Blues, there was no one to finish. He was a I mean, very good passer. He didn't play
1: with anybody either. Like yeah. he, he, I forget who it was, but he spent like 50 games next to a guy that they put on waivers in March or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Bucinavich, Bucinavich and Thomas would play a lot together, Cairo and Thomas or whatever, but O'Reilly didn't really get to play a lot with those guys. That's why his, I think that's why his assist numbers created last year, and he looked a lot better playing for Toronto.
2: Yeah, and he actually had line mates. Uh, in Toronto. He actually looked good in the playoffs. Like he was arguably one of their better offensive players for the Leafs as long as they lasted in the playoffs. Congrats Leafs fans for getting out of the first round since the first time since the Lincoln administration, but we'll get to them tomorrow. Um, Another thing, so like I would imagine the Sorelli line goes out against Top Comp. That's generally what they've been doing. The thing is like Sorelli did not have a good defensive season last year. Well, I think- I'm
1: wondering if it was just because he returned late from injury, right? Like he, yeah, he returned after the season started. So I'm thinking maybe that's it um, because I, there's just too much of a good track record behind him to think, you know, 50 games after returning from injuries is is what he's going to be now. I I, I think we, I'd bank on him kind of returning to form a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I agree.
2: Better. I don't think he was ever fully healthy. But that being said, maybe it still takes him a little while to get going. There's Jonas Johansson in that The Lightning don't have a very good penalty kill. So I think uh, two men of Ryan O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg is is a nice stack. But I do agree. Nashville, three, also my favorite there, Jake.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit SelectHealthOfSC.com slash renew to learn more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
2: Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Chumba. That's right.
1: Chumbacasino.com has over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem
2: some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase. By law, terms and conditions
2: apply. See website for details. Jake circled that line in like June. He's been so excited for this slate. Lock him in with Yossi. He's super happy, but yeah, I agree. There is a lot to like on this slate or in this game, but... Before we get to the next game, we are sponsored by Bet365. And all you got to do to get $150 in bonus bets is sign up, make a deposit, and bet $5. Uh, Bet365, still only available in Kentucky, Ohio, New Jersey, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado. That being said, they are looking to get into more. They've been trying to get into Pennsylvania for like a year now. I don't know why they haven't launched yet, but they should be launching in new states. So that is a good deal for you. Sign up, bet $5, get $150 in bonus bets. And you have to be 21 plus. Actually, you only have to be 18 in Kentucky. Kentucky just kind of does what they do. And if you or any anyone else you know has a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. So let's get into the second game of our slate. They're going with some two big market teams here on opening night. Chicago Blackhawks with a 2.6 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 3.8 total. Unfortunately, Connor Bedard landed in Chicago. Uh, I was hoping he'd go elsewhere, but he is in Chicago. He has Taylor Hall and Ryan Donato on his wings. Uh, that's going to be a fun line, offensively. It's going to be pond hockey. Bedard looks and moves like Connor McDavid does. Uh, they're pricing him up on DraftKings tonight. I don't even remember... I, I remember Austin Matthews in his first game where he scored four goals. I think he was under 6K. But Dard, they're not messing around. He's 7,500. They're going into Pittsburgh. I don't mind stacking Chicago here. It's I, I just am not a huge believer in this blue line and the, and the depth for Pittsburgh. Now, Carlson came over to Pittsburgh, but I just don't think he's going to have the impact he did with the Sharks. He played 30 minutes a night, essentially, with the Sharks. He wasn't very good defensively. He's going to be playing 20, 22 minutes now. I just don't think he's going to have the impact on both ends that Penguins fans are expecting. Good news for the Penguins. Jake Gensel is back tonight after an ankle injury. I think he had ankle surgery not too long ago. Uh, glad to see him back. That being said, there, uh, Pittsburgh is running Rust, Crosby, Gensel, Second line of Riley Smith, Malkin, and uh, Ricard Raquel. I like Pittsburgh one here, but Brian Rust it has so much better numbers with uh, Evgeny Malkin. That being said, Evgeny Malkin has very good numbers with Ricard Raquel. So I'm kind of leaning towards Pittsburgh two here. For You get two guys on the top power play on either of those lines, but Pit two is not nearly as high highly owned as pit one here tonight.
1: Yeah. um, I'm kind of with you uh, on pit two. I do want to talk about the top line because they do have a pretty big sample together. um, Nearly a thousand minutes. They're good, but they're not great. Like three goals per 60 minutes of five on five is a good mark. From a top line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel on it, you kind of want more. Like we just talked about that Tampa top line sitting at 3.8 last year, right? So like over 25%, like 30% higher. Um, You definitely want a higher mark than 3.0. And that's where I'm wondering where Carlson's impact is going to come in because Carlson can't play the way he did with San Jose last year, right? Like it was basically, um, like watching the Sharks last year was like watching um, like that under 17 that that you might've played on 30 years ago where you had that one really good kid and, and the strategy was get the puck to that one guy and just get, let him skate. Like that was basically San Jose's offense last year. Um, it, was, it was just Carl, let Carlson do what he can do. He can't really do that in Pittsburgh because there are so many other talented players that are going to be on the ice with him. Like you can't just let, let Carlson just skate around and have Sidney Crosby stand at a faceoff dot. Like that's just not gonna work. Um, but if his playmaking can, can be what it was, you know, earlier in the sharks days when the team was better, you know, certainly back in his Ottawa time, like his playmaking was still really good last year. It was just you know, the guys receiving the passes weren't, um, so I think that's where his impact can help is if he can help them create better scoring chances at five on five or at even strength or whatever. I think that's where Carlson's impact will be felt the most um you know power play as well uh, but it it it's one of those things it's like do you do you want to you know kind of tink up it and keep playing Pittsburgh 1 and hope that those numbers climb with Carlson or do you want to wait to see it before it happens and it you know there could it might not happen at all and then you know you're just kind of wasting your money throwing it at Pittsburgh 1 night after night if it does happen, you'll get in early on the ground floor before other people do. And, you know, like you said, they are the second best leverage line of the night, but they are going to carry a lot of ownership. Uh, our Pittsburgh One ownership projection by Top Stacks um, over 25% on DraftKings. Uh, on FanDuel, they're leading the way over 40% because uh, they're not that expensive. So there's going to be a lot of ownership on them. But with that Pittsburgh setup, there are a lot of different things you can do with them, right? Uh, Russ not being on the power play means you can add uh, Ricard Raquel, means you can add Evgeny Malkin and go double center, means you can add Eric Carlson on the blue line. Um, There are a lot of different things you can do with the Pittsburgh stack. You know, we can uh, throw out our first Josh stack of the season. Uh, Josh stacking is on DraftKings when you just have six skaters uh, from the same team. Um, You know, you can do... Basically, the entire Pittsburgh top power play in it and then add Riley Smith or add Rust or add, you know, a second chief defenseman or something like that. But Pittsburgh not having great offensive numbers over a huge sample worries me. I'm wondering if Carlson is going to be enough of a difference maker to kind of juice those numbers up a little bit. I think he can be. It's just a matter of them meshing well enough together. But it is one of those situations where if I'm playing a ton of lineups, I might want to come in a little overweight on them. Just because if Carlson is a difference maker, if he can help them generate better better quality shots and better quality looks at even strength, that's going to be the key to unlocking this Pittsburgh offense pretty much as a whole. And if Carlson can do that, I want to be playing it. I want to be playing the Penguins before the proof and the evidence comes out that he is doing that. You know what I mean? So... Um, I think in a nutshell, I'd rather play Pittsburgh one than Tampa one here tonight. Um, you know, factoring in cost and all that, even with the higher higher ownership. Um, but I think I'm kind of with you. I do like Pittsburgh two here. I think adding Riley Smith is kind of an underrated add for Pittsburgh. Because he's a dual threat guy. He's not just a playmaker. He's not just a goal scorer. He can kind of do it both. And that's something I think that line kind of needs. Because the other two guys are kind of similar, right? Like, I don't, especially at this stage of his career, I don't think Malkin is a, you know, elite playmaker an elite goal scorer. But he's pretty good at both of them. And I think Raquel's kind of the same. And I think having Smith just adds another dual threat dimension to that line. Um, You're going to get two out of two of the three guys on the top power play unit. Um, you know, I talked about Malkin uh, in the uh, PIX article, uh, free to read up at stochastic. stochastic.com. Uh, um, just go check out our NHL section. Um, one thing I mentioned was the impact of Ricard Raquel on Malkin. Um, when he had Raquel beside him, the team shot 8.6%. And when he didn't have Raquel, the team shot 7.5%. That's pretty, that's, it's, you'd like to see it higher. You'd like to see it between 9 and 10%. But that jump is would be significant over the course of a full season. And Raquel had a similar impact on their power play as well. Uh, so I do kind of like Pittsburgh too, a little bit better. Uh, they're going to be going out quite a bit against the Bedard line if they keep doing the line matching that they did last year. And I do want to shout out line matching. Uh, I saw our uh, buddy Adam Daly, um, Quick Party, uh, talking about Nick Paul's power play prowess from Ottawa in the chat. You're going to have to go look that up because that feels like something that you're just kind of making up. But uh, he does run uh, line matching on Twitter. You and I both subscribe to it. It's not something that's true stochastic at all. Um, it's just something he does on the side. Um, but it's something that we do use. He does have them going out um, against the Bedard line. I think that's a good matchup for Bedard on the other side. Um, but I really do like Pittsburgh too. Pittsburgh three is kind of interesting because with Gensel back, I assume Drew O'Connor goes to the third line. Drew O'Connor is a guy that typically puts up very high shot rates, but like Esmont for Tampa, uh, has a trouble converting them into goals. Um, not sure Lars Eller's the guy to do that, but I do think uh, O'Connor can actually at least generate some shots, and he's I think he's still mid price on DraftKings, so um. Don't mind Pittsburgh three if you're if you know if you if you need to dumpster die big time. Uh but I I think I'm with you. It is Pittsburgh 2 that I like here. The Chicago side is interesting because people seem to be all over the place on Connor Berdard. I do a lot of season-long fantasy hockey stuff and I was kind of gauging his average draft position and where he was going in a lot of drafts was right around the top 30 pick. And to be a top 30 player. At center in season long fantasy hockey, that means people are expecting 40, 40 plus goals, 80 plus points. That's high. Even Austin Matthews only had like a, I think it was 68 or 69 points in his rookie season, 40 goal a year, three shots per game, but still, I don't think he cracked 70 points. And, you know, when Matthews came into the league, it was Mitch Marner's rookie season, it was Nylander's rookie season, it was Hyman's rookie season. Like there's a lot of good players coming in at the same time. Bedard's getting that Korchinski kid on the blue line. He's getting a little bit of help from Taylor Hall. That's about it. Um, Bedard's going to have to do a lot of it himself. Now, I think he can. Um, I don't like. He's not coming in with like a ton of ownership. Uh, just under twenty percent on DraftKings. I think that's fine for such a short slate. Um, I imagine there are going to be people one-offing him for, for I, I think, pretty good reason because he's he's going to be the shooter on that line. I don't imagine Brian Donato is going to last very long there. Like, Donato's bounced around from team to team to team for, I think, pretty good reason. Um, I can't imagine he's going to last too long on the top line. Uh, so if you want to play Chicago 1, go ahead. Uh Looking at our top stacks, they're coming in basically right at their top two percentage, so right around 18 19 percent. So they're fine to play. Chicago 2 is kind of interesting to me. Um, Tyler Johnson looks like he got the boot from the power play in favor of Corey Perry, <laughs> Min Price, Corey Perry, Min Price, Corey Perry playing on the top power play uh, with Hall and Bedard. I think they're our worst players to play, honestly, on a street. On oh.
2: How many, like, this is what's going to happen. Corey, if Corey Perry scores a power play goal, it's going to be from Hall because Hall cannot finish to save his life. Hall will clean up his mess. Or yeah, clean up his one
1: mess. thing I do want to mention about Hall is when he was in Boston, he got his ice time nuked big time compared okay. to when he was in New Jersey. And when he wasn't playing with David Pasternak, he was playing with the bottom six guys. He was playing with the Trent Fredericks, AJ Greer, Charlie Coyle guys. Like, he wasn't playing with you know, he played a lot with Pasternak. And if you look at Hall's production with Pasternak, on a permanent basis, when he had Pasternak as a, as his right winger, he produced at the same rate as Miko Rantanen in Colorado. Yep. The problem was he was playing 15 to 16 minutes a game and he wasn't playing a lot with Pasternak, or not often enough, anyway. So if you think, you know, Bedard's like a Pasternak junior then Hall's probably going to have a good season. He just doesn't shoot a lot and doesn't finish well. He, like, he's kind of like a Chandler Stevenson almost. You know what I mean? Um,
2: Jake Jake's going to be mad about that one. But yeah, yeah, I know.
1: Know. Um, But I do kind of like Chicago too. Like, you know, Lucas Reichel seems like he could be like the next Robert Thomas. Like, maybe not a monster goal scorer, but a guy that can probably put up like 20 goals and 70 assists once he really hits full flight. He's not at that point yet, but I think he's – He's kind of interesting in that sense. Taylor Radish, um, not a bad shooter. He's going to be on the top power play unit. Tyler Johnson had a reasonable shot rate last year. Like I don't mind Chicago two as one of those filler type stacks here. Obviously, a lot of people are going to go to Chicago one. I don't really have a problem with them because you know the Pittsburgh defense looks suspect. I don't care what anyone says. Like Eric Carlson, as great as he is offensively, is awful defensively. Chris Letang's getting old. Um, you know, you're still relying on like, like Chad Ruedel. Um, you know, Graves
2: is pretty good, but
1: Graves, Graves is fine. Pedersen took a step back last year, but I think he was playing injured. So that might've been part of it. Um, but I think the defense is a little bit suspect and Tristan Jari is nothing to be scared of really. So, um, I don't mind that Chicago second line, especially just like a two man of like Reichel and, and, and Radish or something like that. Um, just to save a little bit of cash, but it is Pittsburgh too. I do like most of this game.
2: Yeah. I'm a big Radish slappy. Both of them. I like both of them. They look nothing alike. I don't know how they're brothers. But um, just another quick point on Bedard. Like, everyone's, like, anointing him the uh, – what's the what's what's the rookie trophy? I already forget. Calder. Calder, right. McDavid didn't win the Calder his rookie year. Granted, he got hurt, but he only – he played 52 games, I believe, and he, he had, like, 18 goals and 40 assists or something like that. Which is a nice season, but like if you if you think about what Connor McDavid is now, and you, you look back to his rookie year, like the expectations on Bedard are just absolutely crazy. Can he win the Calder? Absolutely. Should he be the favorite? Absolutely. But like, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see the kid in action. I think having Taylor Hall will definitely help. But Ryan Donato is just a guy right now. You know, maybe they find someone that can fit in there with them. I don't mind that line tonight, but if you're looking to save salary, I agree. Lucas Reichold, Radish. I'm in on Pitt's Pit 2. I think Pitt Power Play stack is fine. Pittsburgh 1, also fine. Before we get to the next game here, uh, I see there are almost 300 of you in the chat. If you haven't smashed that like button, please smash that like button. Helps us out uh, tremendously, goodly. Uh, also, we have a Stochastic Hall of Fame. To be eligible, you go you go download the Stochastic avatar at stochastic.com backslash avatar. Place in the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants. There are actually some on NHL and DraftKings that you can do that. If you finish top three in a contest, tweet the win to at stochastic HOF account on Twitter. If you don't have Twitter or X or whatever, whatever it's called now, you can uh, DM me or Cliffy. You can email support at stochastic.com. You can win a free month of the Stochastic package of your choosing. Uh, It is sports specific. If you want a month of the NHL package, you can choose that. Also, again, if you are still thinking about going premium for Stochastic, click the link in the description below. You get 10% off monthly and weekly packages. That is for listeners only. Uh, The link in the description will uh, take you where you need to go with the discount. We also have a five dollar super chat from Jetty DFS. Thank you very much. Missed you guys. Do you know if we can still get FC with projections and ownership preloaded? Or do we have to do FC and uploads ourselves? There, you can add on uh FC. So if the if if it's not in the link uh in the description below, you can sign up and then you can add it separately. Um, uh, but you definitely can uh you definitely can still add Fantasy Cruncher and the projections will be uploaded there. You can still upload your own if you have them, obviously, but Stochastics will be uploaded. Thank you for the super chat. Let's move on to the final game of the night. Stanley or The Seattle Kraken with a 2.9 total heading into Vegas to face the defending Stanley Cup champs. The Vegas Golden Knights have a 3.6 total.
0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: <sighs> Seattle's an interesting team. They made the playoffs. They gave Colorado a pretty good run for their money. Their penalty kill looked very good. They shot the lights out at five on five last season. So it's, it's kind of like, I know some people are higher on Seattle than others. I worry about shooting percentage here. I think they're a decent defensive team and they can make the playoffs. But if they don't shoot like 98% or not 98%, but they were shooting like 18%, something ridiculous like that. If that regresses, they're going to have some trouble scoring some goals here.
1: Yeah. um, Fun fact, the 22-23 Seattle Kraken had the highest five-on-five shooting percentage of any team in an 82 game season since 2007, of any team, like think of all the great teams that think of that Detroit team in 2008, or the Pittsburgh teams after that, the Chicago, the Chicago teams of the mid 2010s, uh, Colorado and Tampa Bay over the last five or six years, Seattle shot better than all of them at <laughs> five on five. So. I I, I'm with you. I worry about that because shooting percentages regress. That's just what they do. Like repeating that year after year is just not possible. And the problem with Seattle is they don't take a ton of shots, right? Like their shot attempts last year were in the bottom half of the league, like not at the bottom, but like 20th or 21st on a per minute basis. So if you're not shooting a ton and all of a sudden your shooting percentages crash, you're not bringing much fantasy value DFS value. Um, because you're you're not racking up those shot bonuses, especially when with Seattle allotting the ice time that they do, like they spread out the ice time quite a bit. Um, you know there'll be a, there'll be a lot of games where Matty Beneers plays three or four minutes less than Yanni Gord. There are going to be games where Jared McCann plays 14 minutes uh, and James Schwartz plays 19 minutes. Like their top line is ostensibly their top line, but I'm pretty sure in the playoffs that Beniers line was by ice time was ran as the second line. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the problem with Seattle is like, they're not afraid to play their top line, 16 minutes and their fourth line, like 11 or 12 minutes. And then everybody else is in between. That's a problem for DFS because you want the minutes and, um, going in a matchup against Vegas is not a good matchup like Vegas was the least penalized team in the league last year I think by quite a bit like it was it like it wasn't even close to the next uh next to the team nearest them in, in terms of uh penalties taken so Seattle splits their power play units as already like a 60-40 split they might not get two power plays here tonight like maybe they get three. Um, and then they split, they run pretty even, uh, five on five lines as well. Like that's kind of the problem with Seattle is like, I do like the top line in a nutshell. I think, you know, that McCann-Beneers-Everly line is pretty good. There's not going to be a lot of ownership on them here tonight. Like I was looking at our top stacks tool, ownership on that Seattle top line is coming in at about 3% uh, on draft gigs, which is really, really low. Uh, on FanDuel a little bit higher, but still only between eight and nine percent. Um, that's not a lot of ownership when you're looking at a top line on a three-game slate. Um, like I was saying a little earlier in the show, weird things happen on any given night. Like it's Aiden Hill and net. Like, yeah, I know he won the Stanley Cup. So did Antti Niemi behind the Chicago roster, right? And anti-Niemi did not have very many more good seasons after oh, that.
2: legend, anti-Niemi. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, um, like, I'm not a believer in Aiden Hill. Um, I think Logan Thompson is probably the better goalie, but, I mean, we're talking goalies. Uh, I don't really want to dig good. into it that much further. But it's, it, it's a bad matchup, but I don't really hate that Seattle top line. Like, you know... goals for per 60 minutes last year. Obviously, they overheated quite a bit. But even if they drop their goal scoring by 25%, they're still going to be scoring 3.5, 3.6 goals per 60 minutes, which is way higher than the Pittsburgh line that we just talked about, right? So I I do kind of like Seattle 1 here. I don't know. If I'm playing single entry and I play Seattle 1, I don't mind it from uh, a leverage, from an ownership perspective. Just be ready to lose. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's just kind of it. I am considering playing Seattle 1 here tonight, but I'm also considering shutting off that game after the first period when Vegas is up 3-0. You know what I mean? So um, I don't mind that line. It's mainly for ownership reasons. It's not because this is a great spot or a sneaky good spot or anything like that. I don't think it really is. Um the other Seattle line I would consider is that Gord, Bjorkstrand, Tolvin in line. They're coming in with a fair bit of ownership compared to their top two stack percentage. Uh, they're probably going to be outright higher owned than the top line, which feels crazy. Um, but, you know, you get uh, Bjorkstrand on the power play. You get Tolvin on the power play. Gord might end up on the power play as they switch things around. Gord might end up playing the most minutes of any player on that team or any forward on that team. Tonight. I think he will because he plays yeah, kind of so- both- so I don't mind that Seattle third line as a little bit of a filler. Schwartz, Koski, and Wenberg did not play to get well together when Koski was healthy last year. I don't know why they're putting them back together. Seattle seems to be a smart team, so they probably know more than I do. But for me, it's between Seattle one and Seattle three, depending on the rest of my build. Um, Seattle one, mainly for ownership reasons on the Vegas side. Uh, Jack Eichel didn't have really good numbers last year, but Jack Eichel also set a career high in even strength points per minute. The problem was is that he didn't play a lot of minutes. Like he played a lot fewer minutes than he was when he was back in Buffalo. And the power play wasn't very good until Mark Stone returned in the playoffs. Mark Stone coming back helps Eichel a lot, even though they're not on the same even strength line. Stone... (laughs) Stone added over three goals per 60 minutes on the power play for that team over the last two years when he was healthy. He is a difference maker with the power play. So they they might not draw a lot of power plays, maybe only two or three, but they were going to a heavily used top power play unit with Stone back, which means that top unit is going to get a lot of ice time. So Stone, Stevenson, Eichel, Marsh, so those guys are going to get a lot more power play minutes than they would otherwise. More power play minutes for Shea Theodore as well. I do like the Vegas top line here tonight, uh, Michael, Marshall, Barbashev. Um, I think it's one of those lines where you can you can leave Barbashev off if you want, but I think he's kind of a good playmaker, like a disruptor on that line. So I might just leave him on and then look to add a defenseman, maybe rounded out a power play stack by adding Mark Stone or something like that. It's Vegas one that I really like on the on the Vegas side here. But I think their top three, even their top four lines are all really in play. That Vegas fourth line might be the best fourth line in hockey, which sounds like faint praise. But if the Seattle goaltending is the same as it was last year, they don't need a ton of minutes to get a goal or two on the board. So I think of all the fourth lines on the slate here tonight, I like Vegas' the most.
2: Yeah, and I kind of agree with you on Seattle with the Beneers line. I am considering them also. And you have to remember, Beniers was a rookie last year. You you would expect him to take a step forward. How that affects tonight from a macro perspective, you can't quantify it. But, like, he should have a better season. So I I do like them from that standpoint. It's just, you know, you can't really X out anybody on a three-game slate. I prefer the Vegas side by a lot, and it's also that Eichel line. I think you can leave Barbashev off and add in stone if you want to get a little bit spicy on the power play. But again, like Seattle's penalty kill has been pretty good. It's just goaltending is the issue. So, you know, there's question marks with almost every team on the slate tonight. You just have to get comfortable being uncomfortable on the slate.
1: I, I think the best DFS advice I ever got was that if you're playing GPPs mainly, like night in and night out, do not expect to get back your entries. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you put in, expect to lose. And if you're fine with losing it, you can get kind of more different, more unique with your lineups. And I, I think that'll serve better in the long run.
2: Yeah. And if you're a single entry player, expect, you know, weeks of boredom and moments of sheer terror. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but, uh Yeah. Let's uh, – before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about some defensemen, goalies. Who are your favorite plays on the blue line tonight?
1: Um, i got to say Roman Yossi so I can keep my job. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, Yossi, um, obviously, he leads the way on the blue line. Uh, with Eric Carlson running the power play by himself now uh, for Pittsburgh, I do um, like Eric Carlson as well, obviously. Shay Theodore is the guy that I wrote up in the picks article. And it's mainly because of the power play, like him getting more power play minutes is going to be the key to unlocking kind of like his next step, I think in DFS value and with them focusing all the minutes on the top power play unit and Shay Theodore running the top power play, you know, like you said, Seattle does have a good penalty kill. They don't take a ton of penalties. I don't think there'll be a ton of power plays in this game. Um, but I do uh, like Shay Theodore amongst the expensive guys. For the cheap guys, uh, it's Darren Radish from Tampa Bay. You mentioned him earlier. He played more minutes than Victor Hedman did in the playoffs last year. Hedman was injured, but he still played more than Nick Purbix. You know what I mean? Like, he still played more than other guys that were incumbents, and that's how much they think of Radish. So I do like Radish for cheap. Uh, Ryan McDonough, I think, is kind of getting overlooked a little bit uh, for block shots on DraftKings. And Korchinski from Chicago. Looks like he's going to carry quite a bit of ownership. I don't think it's, I don't think it's you know terrible to play him. I just I don't want to play him at like ten percent on a three game slate for his first you know for the first game of the season. You know what I mean? I, I'm that's what I'm kind of worried about. But Radish, Theodore, McDonough, uh, Yossi are kind of the guys that I'm I'm focusing on on the blue line. Who do you have?
2: Yeah, I I like Kevin Korchinski. I just worry about his minutes. Like he is a prospect. Uh, why play Kevin Korchinski at ten percent when you can? Go down and get like Connor Murphy, who's going to play, you know, around the same minutes, maybe more, and blocks some shots. You don't know, like you're like you're playing Kevin Korczynski on speculation, and maybe that's a good GPP play, you know, speculating on a player and hope to get there. Uh, if you're if you're looking for a little bit more safety, I think you know like Murphy, well, Radish for sure, Murphy in that twenty eight hundred range, mid range. You know, there's there's not much. I do agree with Ryan McDonough there. Hoss's boy Dante Fabro. I just have to contractually say that as well. But if you're if I'm spending up, I think is the guy. Um, I think Carlson's a very obviously a very good play if you want to. You know, if you think the the power play is going to get there, Shea Theodore again. Like there's there's nothing like that. I'm going to say that's going to be like, well, that's surprising. You know, there's it's three games. So you can't really like you're not going to go down and you know get some guy who's going to play nine minutes just because you need min salary. you know, you can make it work tonight with 2,800.
1: Yeah. I did. I'll just mention Alex Vlasic from Chicago as well. I I was telling you in a chat earlier, I think there's at least a non-zero chance that he ends up with the second most minutes on the Chicago blue line. He was playing more minutes than Connor Murphy towards the end of the year last year. I would play more than Murphy more if I were the coach, but you know, maybe they see something in Vlasic that we don't. So if you need like a stone min guy on DraftKings, I think he's the guy to use. Um also just want to show, I uh, just built a quick um lineup here on DraftKings just to kind of show people what um kind of what we're talking about. Uh so we have Pittsburgh two, uh Vegas one, Saros and McDonough for our goalie defenseman, Ryan Graves, um stacking with Pittsburgh. So uh just that's just a quick what we would call a three-three stack for anybody that's new to DFS. Um so it's three three, or I guess this would be a four three because we're adding the defenseman. But he's not the power play defenseman; it's just a guy because he fits uh, salary wise. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a quick four three stack that you can um, that you can whip up. Um, probably not, definitely not going to be the lineup that I use here tonight. Um, but it's certainly uh, one that is playable here uh, for on such a short slate.
2: Yep. Yeah. Now let's talk about goalies here because th- goalie seems like a, an interesting topic here tonight, because I feel like the two chalkiest goalies, I did not look at goalie ownership. Should have, but I would imagine if you're spending up, Yari's going to get the ownership. People love Yari. And then if you're spending down, it's going to be UC Saros. And then there's really not too much in between there. Uh, You got Peter Mrazik, 7K. I like Peter Mrazik in like 2016. I don't know about 2023 Peter Mrazik. Jonas Johansson 8100 like i he's going to be super low owned and that's what I'll say about that like if he has a good game like he, he's going to be very low owned but again like goalie ownership to me doesn't matter the points matter and if you don't have the highest scoring goalie it's going to be hard to win a gpp so like the two I'm looking at are Yari and and Saros I guess you could play Aiden Hill but like like we mentioned Seattle has shot volume concerns here. What other goalies are you looking at?
1: I'm, I'm playing one of the road goalies here tonight. Like, yeah. straight up, that's... I mean, I honestly don't hate the idea of Jonas Johansson because, like, Tampa was was not that great defensively last year. Like, they were nowhere as close to one of the top teams by shots against. So, he could actually see sneaky volume here tonight, I think. Um, But you really have to kind of hold your nose to go play Jonas Johansson. But, I mean, it's, it's goaltending and it's one game, right? So... Um, kind of anything can happen, but it is going to be one of the road goalies on DraftKings. They're the three cheapest goalies. I think they're the, at least two of them are probably going to see the most volume here tonight. Um, so it's probably going to be between Saros and Mrazic for me, but I am considering Grubauer as well. So it's I, I'm definitely going to be leaning to one of the road goalies. They are the three expected to be lower owned goalies. Whether that actually works out, we'll see.
2: Who you got for your hat trick pick?
1: I'm going with the guy named after goals themselves. Geno Malkin.
2: I'm going to go kind of off the board here, and that's just kind of what I've been doing for the past two seasons. I'm going Tommy Novak.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> this is going to be a Tommy Novak season, and it's going to cost us so much money.
2: <laughs> Better than Nashville won, Chalky Nashville won last season.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point.
2: The little man wants to say hello, or the bigger little man.
1: Oh. um,
2: about Everybody, if you're new to this channel, stop what you're doing and subscribe, or else, you're, or else, um, you will, we will ban you from YouTube. There you go. Make sure to smash that like button again. If you are still on the fence about joining uh, premium, links in the description get you ten percent off weekly and monthly. Get you access to the Discord, top stacks, projections. You can add on FC. We will have a lineups landing page soon. And, you know, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, Any last words for the people?
1: Uh, No, just, yes, actually, just one last word. Um, I kind of hope that the Penguins beat the Brains out of Chicago here tonight. I'm not convinced it's going to happen, but we'll see.
2: Let's get a 7-1 Pittsburgh victory with six goals from Redeem Zahora.
1: <laughs> so, hey, same the team. Um, I don't think he's playing now that t- that Gensel is, unfortunately. But uh, maybe Drew O'Connor is going to come through for
2: us. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Drew O'Connor, Min Price, Corey Perry, Min Price on the power play. But we will be back tomorrow. We'll see you at two p.m. Uh, Eastern for a six-game slate tomorrow. Good luck tonight, everybody.
1: Bye. Good luck tonight, everyone.